0: Extra Daily Planet Extra
1: Christmas, everybody, and welcome to episode 16 of Man of Screen Extra. I am your host, Mike Jumo, and in this episode, it's Christmas time again, and I've got another holiday-themed episode uh, on tap for you this, this year, and I'm going to do things a little bit differently this time around as... Uh, I'm kind of putting these shows together in a little bit of a crunch so so that I don't have to edit this thing I'm going to do two commentaries for you and they're both going to be from the Batman animated series that ran in the 1990s actually both series rather there was the Batman animated series which ran from 1992 to I believe 95 and then there was the new the Batman the new adventures of Batman which ran after the premiere of Superman the Animated Series. Even though Superman won't, or any of his characters will not appear in the episodes I'm talking about, this time, there is a connection to Superman as Bob Hastings, who voices Commissioner Gordon in both of these episodes, also provided the voice of Superboy during the 1960s Filmation cartoons, which I'm covering on the uh, regular end of the podcast. So Before I get to the commentaries, though, I do have some feedback to address. and The only letter that I've got is from Dave McLevenny, uh, Frequent writer to the show. Dave is writing in on Man of Screen Extra number, episode 15, in which I talked about Justice League. Dave writes, Greetings, Mike. First things first. As a former altar boy from the pre-Vatican II Latin mass days, I must say, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. And that's uh, the translation that Dave provided. for my astonishing mistake of misspelling Christopher Reeve in my email about episode 14 on the extended cut of Superman the movie. There really is no excuse for that. I am an idiot. I'm gonna stick Dave on pause for a minute there. Uh no, Dave, you're not an idiot. You just made the common mistake. But I only the only reason I gave Dave a little bit of grief there was because Dave is a huge Superman fan and really should know better. So, Dave, no Mia Culper is necessary. We still love you over here at the Man of Screen podcast. So back to Dave's letter. Now, on to Justice League. I was one of those people who was so disheartened by Man of Steel that I simply couldn't bring myself to go see Batman v Superman, and I had no plans to see Justice However, I like to think I'm open to other opinions, and I heard from several people whose opinion I respect that Justice League was worth seeing, especially since I enjoyed Wonder Woman. So I went to see it, and I must say that I enjoyed it. I didn't love it, but it was worth seeing, and I'm glad I did. There were some moments that I did love, starting with the opening scene of the kids talking to Superman. As you said, in this movie, we got to see the Superman that many of us have been hoping for but not seeing in previous movies. I'm uh, gonna pause day for another minute there, and yeah, that seems to be the general consensus. Well, there are some people who loved uh, the movie. I think it seems like the vast uh, consensus is that most of us enjoyed it with caveats, let's just say that. You know, a lot of us, you know, kind of just left saying that it was fine. That's kind of where I was. There were moments I loved, but, you know, the movie wasn't all I'd been hoping for, but, you know, it was a fun way to spend two hours, I'll just put it at that. So back to Dave's letter. I also loved the quote unquote fight between the other heroes and the newly revived Superman in Heroes Park. Even though he wasn't fully himself, this was a Superman who not only wouldn't be defeated, he would not be moved, no matter the force brought to bear on him. I especially loved the moment. When super speeding Flash, yes, I'll call him Flash. It seems odd that he was the only one not to have a superhero name. Was running towards Superman, and Superman caught the super speed motion out of the corner of his eye and turned toward Flash. The look of astonishment on Flash's face that someone could see him and react at the same speed was priceless. Like you, I tend to think of Cyborg as one of the Teen Titans rather than a Justice League. -er. But the membership of the League has expanded over the decades so I was okay with this. And I think Ray Fisher did a fine job with the character who was written well and had a reason to be there beyond just selling action figures. The movie had many fine moments and I hope it heralds a revival of the DCEU along the lines I can enjoy. We shall see. But I will admit, against my initial misgivings, that it was a fun afternoon at the movies. Live long and prosper, Dave. And I'm going to address the last thing Dave said first. And Now, I know there are there is a group of people who really enjoyed Man of Steel and Batman v Superman as quote-unquote serious cinema, and I respect that opinion. You know, I enjoyed both movies to the extent that I enjoyed them. I liked Man of Steel a little bit more, Batman v Superman just seemed to trot along at an unbearably slow pace. The extended cut was better, but still. There were things that happened in Batman v Superman that I wasn't crazy about. Which I'm not going to go into here. But like I mentioned before, it was just good to see Superman finally being Superman again. And I will say this about Cyborg. And I think this is a character that's becoming more relevant now in the computer age. That he kind of got new life as a character that could access any computer system. Basically, the ultimate hacker. So, he definitely does serve a purpose in the Justice League. They're just the, the old-time DC fan. Just, I really miss seeing Martian Manhunter in that lineup. And now, I wish there was room for both him and Cyborg. But, there hasn't been in the comics. And, I'm expecting they're not going to be able to do that in the films. Especially with, uh, they seem to be forming Justice League Detroit over on the uh, TV shows. And, yeah, I'm going to also agree with Dave I did love that moment where Superman spotted uh, Flash at the speed he was going. That was kind of the minute where I think uh, Henry Cavill looked a little bit like uh, Tyler Hecklin, and I'm not going to start a conspiracy theory regarding that. All of these characters look like Superman, so it's only natural that they would share several facial similarities. So I'd like to thank Dave for his feedback. You can send in your feedback also at manofscreen at gmail.com. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to take a quick break, take, play a podcast promo, and then I'm going to come back and... Uh, Do a commentary on Christmas with the Joker. Hang around, folks.
0: Everybody, Magnus here. At Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, I talk about comics, movies, and TV shows. But mostly it's comics. And starting in February 2018, I'm launching a mega series that's all about Batman comics. And right now, you're probably saying, "Big Magnus, big Magnus, does this have anything to do with that new Batman movie that may or may not be coming soon?" My yes. Yes, it does. I plan to talk about a crapload of Batman comics, and I want you riding along in the Batmobile with me. This is The Caped Crusades, a 24-part mega-series all about Batman comics that have meant a lot to me for a lot of years now. And as I work through all of that, I'll also talk about what I personally consider to be Batman's series finale. All that and more, is part of The Caped Crusades, a 24 part Trenis Magnus Punches Reality mega series. Be there in February 2018. Trenis Magnus Punches Reality can be found at 2TrueFreaks.com as well as iTunes.
1: Alright, welcome back, folks. So, I'm going to start with the Batman episode, Christmas with the Joker. This uh, originally aired on November 13th, 1992. I doubt any of you are unfamiliar with the cast of of this show, but in case you aren't, Kevin Conroy provided the voice of Batman and Bruce Wayne. He was also the voice of Donner. Robert Costanzo was Detective Harley Bullock and also provided the voice of Blitzen. Robert Hastings was Commissioner Gordon. Clive Revel was Alfred Pennyworth. Mark Hamill was the Joker. Marie Devon was Summer Gleason and the Woman. And Lauren Lester was Dick Grayson and Robin. All right, so... And the show was produced by Alan Burnett, exec producer J- Jean McCurdy, producer Eric Rodomsky, Tom Ruger was executive producer, Bruce Tim was the producer, the music was by Michael McQuistion and Lolita Ramonesse, It was casted by Andrew Romano, who was the voice director for the entire DC Animated Universe. And this particular episode was directed by Kent Butterworth. And it was written by Eddie Gordetsky. Alright, so, I am now on the main menu of the DVD. I'm set to episode 2, Christmas with the Joker. And I'm starting the episode in 3, 2, 1, and go. and I'm on the Warner Brothers logo now and we're starting off with those two eyes headlights out of the blimp looking look like eyes on Gotham City I love this opening sequence all the bank robbers are in shadow and explosion and one of the great opening sequences to any cartoon I love this Batman the animated series Batmobile <laughs> I had the Kenner line of Super Powers toys as a kid and When the Super Friends Batmobile eventually broke, I replaced it with the Batman the Animated Series Batmobile. That's a fun little fact there. Batman is all in shadow. Just uh, love seeing the two villains tied up. And now the infamous lightning strike, and there he is. Batman standing in the light, in all of his glory. Nice, gloomy uh, opening sequence. So, Christmas with the Joker. I believe I didn't really watch this show as it was on the air. I I caught up caught up. It was hard for me at that time to really watch AF Time TV. So here we are here at Arkham Asylum, and uh, they're caroling at the asylum. Everybody's singing Jingle Bells. Oh, there he is, his Joker, voiced by Mark Hamill. He's really become the definitive voice of the Joker, in my opinion. It's always strange when there's an animated Joker out there and uh, somebody else is providing the voice. As right now, I'm watching the Joker take off on a rocket ship Christmas tree. And, you know, obviously most of us know Mark Hamill from... Star Wars. His most famous role is that of Luke Skywalker in the in the original trilogy, and then the sequel trilogy that's coming out now. But I heard Mark Hamill talk as like the trickster. It's always weird seeing the Joker hearing the Joker's voice come out of Mark Hamill. So now in the back here we got Batman and Robin here. They're debating whether or not Bruce should watch *It's a Wonderful Life*. Bruce can't get past the title, so you know it's a the one. It's a wonderful life is one of the great Christmas classics. You know it's a movie I love. You know just a story about George Bailey who, you know, was down on his life and and you know, we got a visit from an angel who showed him what would happen to the people he loved if he was never born. And he learns to appreciate his life. Just one of the all-time great Christmas classics. And I'm glad that it's never really been remade. I mean, other shows have done riffs on it. Married with Children did kind of a spoof on it. Highlander series did it. You know, whenever a character's kind of down on his luck and shows them, you know, how much they mean to the people around them. Like I said, one of the all-time classics. While everybody's falling over each other to remake the Christmas Carol because it's in the public domain, I'm glad nobody's really gotten a hold of. It's a wonderful life. So, obviously Batman and Robin are looking for the Joker who escaped from Arkham Asylum. And Robin is chiding Batman about how he can't stand that there's no use for them. And Batman is kind of looking for everything to the point where right here, he's kind of jumping the gun as this guy is uh, chasing down this woman to return a package that she lost a gift for her grandson and Batman thought he he was gonna mug the woman so Robin wants to go home but you know this episode is called Christmas with the Joker and it's eventually going to go as so now they're at home and I don't understand the use of this giant table They're in the Batman 89 film, too, with Bruce and Vicky sitting on the other side. So now they're moving into the theater, and Dick got his wish. They're going to watch It's a Wonderful Life. And we're going to turn on the TV, and this does not look like It's a Wonderful Life. Whatever it is, it's on all the channels. I hate when that happens. Uh-oh. No, we'll know it's a wonderful life, but instead we're going to have Christmas with the Joker. And the Joker is looking like he's going to put on a show. You know, I love hearing Mark Hamill play the Joker. Like I was like I was saying before about Mark Hamill, <clears throat> when I was seeing him play the role of, of the trickster on The Flash in 1990, or even the few times he's done the two times he's done it on The Flash TV show it's always weird hearing the Joker's voice come out of a person alright so now Joker's got a tank running down the street <clears throat> and we have another explo- we have an exploding Santa setting off the fireworks and there's a Joker face and there he is the Christmas with the Joker And the Joker is coming on a sled, and I'm kind of surprised that at the moment Bruce and Dick are still watching this. Oh, first annual. As a journalist, that's a pet peeve of mine. There's no such thing as first annual unless it happens a second time. You can't have the first unless you have the second. Without the second, it's only the only. So, here we go. Mark Hamill as the Joker. Up, uh, Bruce and Dick are now in the Batcave, so they're not still in the Manor. Batman is doing his thing with the computer. You know, <clears throat> these shows are very uh, smartly written. You get to see a little bit of everything from Batman doing all the, all the uh, detective work, and you know, it's one of the few shows that really shows Robin in a positive light—that he's an equal partner to Batman and not uh, just a. sidekick. So the Joker is now doing some stand-up. He's got some cardboard cutouts for an audience, and he, he mentioned that he doesn't have family, so he's going to steal one. So he's got two families. The Lawfuls, which you have a, three tied-up members of the Gotham City Police Department. <laughs> Apparently uh, Jim Gordon, the commissioner, is the father. I believe that's Renee Montoya, who is playing the role of the mother and Harvey Bullock is the baby. Gordon there calls uh, Joker with diseased maniac a nice little nod towards Superman in the movie in which Superman calls what's this? that? Renee called for help and uh, she got a candy cane shoved back in her mouth. <laughs> the Joker is harassing Oh, maybe Lawful Bullock is screaming at the Joker and gets the candy shoved back in his mouth. So, Batman has a deadline to find the uh, Lawful family by midnight. And he's going to do his uh, do his bit. And Bat- his most of this episode is the Joker doing his shtick. So, we got right here Joker acting with a puppet. He's got an exact replica of Gotham City set up here and he's kind of using it to kind of show Batman what he's going to do. And he gives the hint that he's gonna that Donner and Blitzen are going to blow up the president's bridge. And Donner and Blitzen are not reindeers. They are two, uh, two criminals. And they're setting up the, some TNT on the bridge here. And they're singing jingle bells. You know, there's all that funny meme out there about how Batman doesn't smell. Well, I beg to differ as the bridge explodes. I'll bet Batman does smell with all the sweat that probably collects up in that cowl. The, uh... I like to make the joke that, uh... the reason why Henry Cavill has that scowl on his face for most of Batman v Superman is because of batstench stench that collects within, uh... Batman's cowl. So, naturally, Robin wants to stop the train. And I... can't really see Batman stopping the train like Superman would, and, uh... And, uh apparently Montoya's mother is on the train and, oh, that's not good. That just kind of puts the Joker in a... makes the Joker even laugh even harder. Here comes the train. It's bearing down on the empty bridge. And here comes Batman coming out of the bottom of the screen. He's driving right up beside the train. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to be able to stop this thing. Uh, That's not necessarily something you can... uh... Nope, he's not going to uh, stop the train. His plan is to get the engineer out and a couple of the passenger cars before the train goes barreling over the over the empty bridge which they seem to be coming on pretty quickly one thing I like about the animation here is the capes look black on the outside you know obviously the costume Robin wears in this is very Tim Drake it's a Tim Drake comics costume with the uh, black cape on the outside and the Robin interior the Batman cape looks almost almost the same it's almost like a black cape with a blue interior. Really love the design of this show. It's an open question as to whether or not Batman... got Well, Batman still has not gotten out the engineer. <clears throat> and he's coming up close on the uh, edge of the bridge there. The engineer goes right with him and Batman makes his rescue. There they go. Right into the snow. And there goes the bridge off the side of the ravine I'm sure at some point Donner and Blitzen are going to get back to the Joker and he's going to be excited about the crash but probably not so excited about everybody falling yep oh look he's got another bomb he's in a oh he the Batman and Robin he gets rid of are the uh, cardboard cutouts in the uh, audience again Mark Hamill you can't really say enough about Mark Hamill that's the Joker and here we go Batman is now following the Joker's signal to the observatory here with me I think I'm kind of getting a little caught up in this episode oh and there's a big gift box telling Batman not to open it until Christmas and it's the classic kind of Joker Jack in the Box And obviously the Joker is not here. Because why would he be? There's still ten minutes to go in this episode. and So. You would think by now that the uh, police or something would have been uh, trying to find him too. But there are no police. There's no police presence around. There's not really a ton in this episode that's Christmas-related, so to speak. Just the fact that, you know, the Joker is doing a Christmas special and wreaking all kinds of havoc. Like I said, it's what you would expect from Christmas with the Joker. It would be absolutely harrowing, as this is. Right now we're seeing uh, the telescope. The telescope in the observatory is firing on Batman and Robin if they try to get away. You know, <clears throat> for those of you who are listening to the main show, you hear me complain a lot about the animation of the filmation cartoons and how cheap it is. I really have no complaints about that in this. The animation is smooth. It's really terrific. You know, it took me a while when I first started watching this show to kind of get used to the square-headed characters, but the way this show was animated was that it was done on quote-unquote black paper, where most cartoons are done on white paper, and it just lends to the foreboding mood permeating, Got you know, that Gotham City gift. You know, Gotham City is a character in and of itself. Uh, here's Robin. He enters the observatory, and there are a whole bunch of Joker uh, animatronics uh, sitting there laughing, and they're opening fire on Robin, and, you know, he does some rolling and gets to... And the statues kind of... Shoot themselves. Except for one.
0: <laughs>
1: so Robin calls Batman, who's having troubles of his own. And they have apparently pre, uh, pre-planned uh, scenarios going. Batman calls this Operation Cause and Effect. What it entails is... Robin is going to use his bat rope here and blow up the gun and that'll give Batman a chance to come into the observatory. But this is where they realize that they haven't found the Joker's hideout and Batman doesn't know where to find it. So, he's back in the automobile driving around. Apparently Robin... (laughs) Keeps a watch underneath his glove. And it's weird to hear Batman admit that he needs a miracle to save the hostages. Batman is not one who would wait for a miracle. And now the Joker is getting clearly irritated. Because, you know, he expects Batman to find him. So Batman Joker here was doing this uh, shtick with a puppet. So now we've got some kind of gift with uh, whatever's going on in Naval's Montoya. Been so long since I've watched this episode that I don't really remember. I remember the basics, but not the specifics. And here comes a gift from uh, the Joker to Montoya. She opens it, and it is a Betty Blooper doll, which is basically a Betty Boop doll that won't get a Warner Brothers sued. And it's a wind-up toy, and the Joker sets is setting it here on this uh, replica of Gotham City, and apparently it stomps its way through, ruining the whole thing. Well, the toy... <coughs> Sorry about that. I can't edit out my cough in this. But the doll is a big clue. <coughs> it was made by the Lafco factory. Fun little uh, animation note, I believe as uh, Batman and Robin drove by a movie theater, it had It's a Wonderful Life on the marquee, which just reminds us that's what Robin wanted Batman to watch earlier in the film. Now, it's a good thing that nobody buys up uh, empty warehouses in Gotham City because the Lafco Toy Company, which made the Betty Blooper doll... Has been, has been inactive, and nobody has found it, or bought it. <coughs> so we see here, this is the Joker's hideout, and the Joker is setting up a record player after he spotted Batman and Robin from the balcony. Oh, look, he's playing the Nutcracker. You know, it's the famous uh, Nutcracker theme. I keep forgetting what that's called, uh, something about the dance I think it's the dance of the sugar plums and now now we've got the march of the wooden soldiers which was something my daughter had done in one of her dance recitals I believe it was last year where she dressed as a wooden soldier it was a really fun number so Batman and Robin are fighting these wooden soldiers dispatching them relatively easily Robin you know kick, swings at them and kicks them they are really no threat Oh, but there's more and more toys. This is almost like watching the Toy Man fight Superman. As and All these little airplanes all have Joker heads in them. It's great. Oh, he is literally a Batman now as he grabs a baseball bat and is swinging at these airplanes. And he's hitting some home runs. Robin is playing some outfield, catching them in, a, in an oil barrel. Batman is swinging, and he's certainly not missing it, and Robin makes a quip about him being called Batman, so... Now, uh... Now, these guys really... Batman calls these two guys up on the catwalk snipers, but you know, snipers are sharpshooters. These guys are up there with machine guns and just firing wildly at Batman and Robin. They're not exactly snipers. But these guys are sure are using a lot of bullets and hitting absolutely nothing, except for some teddy bears. Now, I really like this ploy with the cape that Batman does here. As they shoot, These guys shoot the hell out of the cape, but what they don't realize is, is that there's no Batman in it. I've seen Batman do... And the teddy bear falls on them. I've seen Batman do this trick on the Nightfall storyline. You set up the cape. But the only problem in the comics is most of the time that the cape is attached to the cowl. So in order for Batman to take the cape... Keep off, has to go off his mask too. Which is problematic if you don't want people to find out to Bruce Wayne. So now the Joker has moved on to his grand finale. The lawful family, which is Gordon, Montoya, and Bullock, are hovering over some boiling acid, I guess this is, or lava, not lava, but molten metal. They forgot the key in the kings in their mouth. <laughs> Batman doesn't necessarily want to open the box. Well, he doesn't... Robin doesn't want him to, but... uh Batman gets a pie in his face and he's not amused. I am. I think it's, I think it's hilarious. But I'm sure Batman's not laughing.
0: You uh, know.
1: It's amazing watching Batman just clean himself uh, off just by run, run, running his hands over, over himself. When I drop food on myself, it takes a lot more than that to clean my shirt. So, Batman saves the cops. With the with the greatest of ease, really, and he catches the Joker. Oh, the Joker is really no physical threat, but he does have a nice gag with the sweater here. The, uh, apparently it was the top sweater, and the hands came out, but the Joker almost fell into the ass, but Batman caught him. And that's pretty much the end of that. And he does say Merry Christmas to the Joker, who responds with a humbug, which is what you would expect from the Joker, playing his role very well. And we end this episode with uh, Bruce and Dick having watched It's a Wonderful Life. Apparently, Commissioner Gordon gave them a recording of the episode. I'm sure Bruce could have gone out and bought it. Bruce won't necessarily admit that he liked the movie, but just says he had its moments. So now the bells are ringing in Gotham City and at Arkham Asylum. The Joker is in a straitjacket singing uh, Deck the Halls with Bowser Ali as the episode ends. Yeah, I'll bet he's got big plans for next Christmas. So and that's the end of that episode. Again, I really enjoy that one. The theme by the way, of this show is by Danny Elfman who also did the theme to Batman 89, so another that is one of my favorite Christmas related episodes of just about any kind of superhero show, obviously I didn't want to talk about the Lois and Clark Christmas episodes because I'm going to get to them in regular coverage which will probably be in July or something, but, you know those that stuff kind of falls when it falls, so that was the end of Christmas with the Joker, I'm going to take another break, play another podcast promo, then I'm going to come back and talk over holiday nights. Hang around, folks. Andy, I have an amazing
0: idea. Let's do a podcast. We've been talking about doing this for years. That
1: sounds great! So, what should we talk about?
0: Something no one else is talking about.
1: Batman. (sighs) Mike... There are hundreds of Batman shows out there. You used to do one.
0: True. Well, maybe we could do an index show. Are you insane? We both already host those. True again. Okay, maybe we could talk about Batman stories no one else does. Like the Jerry Conway run. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Yeah, we could discuss his entire run and then go into the Doug Mensch run. But we won't be tied down to that. We need to be free to talk about other Batman stories from that era as well. And we could call it The Overlooked Dark Knight, the non-index-index show. Great! The it... Overlooked Dark Knight, the non-index-index show. New episodes drop on the 14th and 28th of every month. The show and the website, www.overlookeddarknight.com launch in May of 2017. From the Fortress of bailey Podcasting Network.
1: All right, welcome back, folks. Uh, for this next segment, I'm going to cover the new Batman Adventures episode, Holiday Nights. This aired originally on September 13th, 1997. And unlike Christmas with the Joker, this episode is a story of uh, three vignettes in which uh, the characters uh, from the new Batman Adventures kind of experiences their holiday. I'm going to go through the cast right here. Kevin Conroy like is Batman and Bruce Wayne. Tara Strong will provide the voice of Batgirl and Barbara Gordon. Matthew Valencia will play the role of Robin and Tim Drake. Mark Hamill is back as the Joker. Genre legend Ron Perlman is Clayface, Matt Hagen, Moe, Lar, Kerr, and Carol Singer. A total of many voices. Arlene Sorkin, the original Harley Quinn, plays that role. Diane Pershing is Poison Ivy and Dr. Pamela Isley. Bob Hastings is back as Commissioner James Gordon. Marilu Henner will play Veronica Vreeland. Robert Costanzo will be Detective Harley Bullock slash Carol Singer slash Carol Singer. He's singing Christmas carols. Carol Singer is not actually a name. Leanne Shermer is Detective Renee Montoya. Rachel Davy is Mary McSweeney. Tress McNeil is the little boy slash dispatcher, and Corey Burton, who would play Super Brainiac over on the uh, Superman show, plays the uniformed cop Joe and the sports commentator. So right now I'm on the main menu, and on Go I'm going to. Turn on holiday nights. Three, two, one, and go. And here I am on the Warner Brothers logo that just finished. And the opening sequence of this episode is the same as the opening sequence used on the Batman the Animated Series. I'm Obviously, I'm using my DVDs of... I'm using my Batman Animated Series DVDs to cover these. So, I probably should have mentioned that before. The Christmas with the Joker episode was the second episode on Disc 1 of Volume 1. And if you have the Batman the Animated Series Volume 4 DVD... Holiday Nights is on disc one it is the first episode as it was the first episode of the new Batman Adventures that was aired in the new format it's weird watching the DVD and seeing the old opening sequence because the animation in this show is so different <clears throat> it's not as grainy as the original and this episode was directed by Paul, written by Paul Dini and directed by Dan Reba <coughs> So this one starts off on December 22nd. This is the first vignette. And here is... Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy in this tiny little... (coughs) Hotel. Apparently the animators enjoy drawing Harley Quinn in short shorts when she's not in her outfit. Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy is... A couple in the animated series enjoyed playing with. (coughs) Sorry about that, folks, but I got a little bit of a tickle in my throat. I'm not necessarily sure if Harley and Ivy both be lesbians or if they were just really good friends. The show never elaborates. (coughs) Here is uh, Bruce Wayne and this woman named Veronica as a She's trying to find out who uh, Bruce is We to be taken home from the Christmas party as a whole bunch of women descend upon Bruce and kind of attack him, so to speak. Very difficult to be Bruce Wayne. Oh, and here's somebody from the shadows giving Bruce a kiss. It's Ivy, and Bruce is all spaced out. You see his eyes. So, Bruce is under the spell here, and he's leaving. <clears throat> and he is being uh, almost hijacked here by Ivy and uh, Harley. And Harley is in her traditional court jester outfit, you know, not the over-sexualized outfit that she wears since the dawn of the new 52 when the Suicide Squad movie. And Ivy looks just as she has... For years after years in the comics. And uh, here we go. We got Ivy and Harley fighting over Bruce Wayne. Whose eyes are normally dark colored. But they're all wide and they're green. And you can see that this driver here has been kissed. And he's under the spell too. So what would you do if you had Bruce Wayne under your control? You would naturally go shopping. And the uh, the limo driver just looks laying on the floor, fish, stiff as a fish stick. And um, all right, now we've got the Harley and Ivy fashion show. They're playing with some perfume, trying on a whole bunch of outfits. And Harley's really overdoing it. Oh my god, this cloud is getting huger and huger. She's gonna sound like she bathed in it. Up oh, now, they're onto the jewelry. Ivy's trying on the jewelry. This seems very out of character for Poison Ivy. You know, fashion and even Christmas for the next... It doesn't seem like something that she would really care much about. As all she really cares about are plants. But, you know, she and Harley are having a good time. And we're getting a show. Yeah, they just kind of... Again... Oh, but there's Bruce Wayne's credit card. Oh, there's several credit cards, actually. One of them has a big V on it, and the other one has what appears to be the MasterCard logo. You can see in his face that Bruce is struggling. He does not really want to sign these things and spend all this money, but he is unable to. Apparently, Ivy didn't want a Christmas tree. I wonder if she has some kind of objection to trees being decorated. So. so Bruce is still carrying presents. I wonder what would happen if uh, Ivy and <clears throat> like I said I, I was just wondering what would happen if Ivy and Harley realized that they had Batman. Well, it is Harley coming after Batman. After Bruce rather. Up oh, and it looks like Bruce fall down an elevator shaft. And Harley thinks they killed him. I wonder what stops Bruce from canceling these credit cards the next day. And obviously we see a black clad hand and uh, I'm guessing Batman is going to show up. There he goes. And <clears throat> this would be the first... When Batman shows up, this would be the first time that the viewers of this show got a look at the newly designed Batman in the gray outfit. Obviously, this remains gray. The black, o- the yellow oval over the bat symbol is gone, and his mask and uh, cape are black, which is really how I prefer to see the Batman costume. You know, the black and gray makes much more sense to me than the blue and gray. So that was one redesign I did like and now Batman is kind of looking around the store for Ivy and Harley and he avoids getting crushed by a wooden soldier that falls there's really not a whole lot to say about this this is your standard fight of Batman versus his villains we're talking about Santa. If we're talking about some Santa Claus, Ivy points out that she and Harley are on the naughty list. I wonder why they were going to push him, Bruce Wayne, down an elevator shaft. You know, like I said, it would be really amazing if Harley and Ivy knew that Bruce Wayne was Batman. What would they have? Would they have just simply made him go shopping if they knew Bruce Wayne was Batman? And Harley, got Batman just did get sucker punched about a minute ago. Neither to get whacked with a hammer by Harley. just I can only guess he's still under the effects of whatever Ivy did to him because getting sucker punched twice is so un Batman. You know, for, there's a lot of things I can see Harley doing in this episode. I struggle with Ivy's role in it. You know, she's not really a villain that would. Partake in these antics, unless, of course, Harley is having more of an effect on her than we think. And I love how Batman seems to apprehend them with a Christmas tree—almost poetic, being that Ivy is cares mostly about plant life. And I love the looks on their faces when they realize Batman has them. And I Harley's happy to have a Christmas tree, even though it's resulting in her going to jail. Now we move on to December 24th and this is a whole this is a new segment. The three vignettes in this episode are completely unrelated to each other and Barbara Gordon here is at Mayfields. She's buying her father a tie because who what what but doesn't buy a toy. And nobody really likes this Santa. Apparently it's Bullock calling kids crybabies. I've only had one of my kids scared of Santa once. And it was very strange because it was like that Haley was two or three. She had seen Santa before, but just for one year, that one day, it was inexplicable to why Haley was afraid of Santa. In a few days, we'll be taking Emily, my baby, to see Santa for the first time. I'm really curious as to how that would go. But either way, uh, Harvey Bullock does not make a very good Santa Claus. Even uh, one kid uh, knows Bullock is not the real Santa. My parents always told me that the small Santas were Santa's employees. They were basically relaying the message. So right now, Bullock's got this girl on his lap whose father is in prison. My only guess is that she uh, wants her dad to come out and get out of prison, you know. Who wouldn't? So, Bullock gives the girl some money to buy herself something nice. She also wants to buy something for her father. Nice kid. I'm sure she'd love it if she had a father that wasn't in jail, but he is up. Somebody stole some jewelry. Oh, this little kid stole some jewelry and Barbara's going to catch him. And and this is a Clayface episode as uh, Barbara grabbed what she thought was a young boy's hand and it fell off. So, I wonder if there's a reason why Harvey and Montoya are playing Santa and his elf. Obviously, Bullock cared nothing about what this kid wants for his birthday as he's snoring through the the list. But, here we go. The police are all after this little kid who is Clayface. I mean, only Clayface's hand would fall off when somebody grabs it. I'm waiting at first. Nope, now there's a whole bunch of kids and now nobody has in. Up there were four kids and they all became one Clayface. Yep, ho, 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 and Clayface is throwing punches and kicking ass, and it's only a matter of time before Batgirl shows up. I don't open this Barbara right now. She's in her jacket watching. Now she's running away, ducking behind the uh, the sport coats, and she's going to change the to Batgirl right there. And she's literally getting changed. You can see that she's thinking... She's got no clothes on behind that uh, those jackets, so if somebody walks by, they're gonna get a show. So the uh, so Clayface is showing off his shape-shifting abilities, and the t- and he's about to kill uh, the two cops when Batgirl shows up and kicks him right drop kicks them right in the head and out a window. And onto the ice skating rink. Batgirl is in her traditional—I uh, guess it's traditional. She's wearing a black suit, yellow boots. Very small cape, though. I always wondered what Batgirl, or Purple cape would serve. It doesn't serve the same uh, purpose as boots for effect and for gliding. Nice, <laughs> nice joke about how they want, Batgirl wanted a. Bullock to hit the Santa decoration, and uh, when she, I'll shoot the Santa. Bullock was afraid that he get shot, and they electrocute Clayface, and he's gonna fall down cold, and almost right on top of Batgirl. So that looks like that takes care of uh, Clayface. And and I guess recovering the evidence means uh, going uh, hip deep into clayface and uh, pulling it out. And now we're going to black, and we're on December thirty first. A football game is being shown. Obviously, those two episodes didn't have much to do with Christmas, other than taking place around Christmas. You know, I mean, obviously, there's no story about the. What the holidays mean to us. It's just events that happen around Christmas time, kind of like uh, Batman Returns was. The reason I didn't cover Batman Returns is because I have other plans for that movie when the time comes. So now we have got a New Year's episode going on. Here's the Joker uh, on TV. He's threatening to bump off some people. And here is the uh, first-look viewer's got of Tim Drake as Robin. He's wearing the costume that became... Canon in the comics after Infinite Crisis, but the first appearance of it is here with the uh, red pants and the black boots. He's even wearing trunks. This Robin, even though he's named Tim Drake, he's much more Jason Todd. He even had the Jason Todd origin from the post crisis where he boosted the Batmobile's tires. So, he's the new Robin in the new Batman Adventures. Dick Grayson has since become Nightwing. You can tell that uh, Commissioner Gordon has lost some weight between the animated series and the new Batman Adventures, looking uh, much uh, thinner. So the Joker is going to countdown victims, and it's New Year's Eve. So this is the first of the uh, vignettes, and really the only one that doesn't involve Christmas. This involves New Year's. Joker just announced how much he loves New Year's Eve and when he refers to happy faces that really means just the uh, security guards and he's uh, setting up some kind of sonic attack which is going to make people deaf I guess or damage their ears. The Joker looks a little bit different. His nose is a little pointier. His hair is uh, redesigned so but it's the same good old Mark Hamill voice. Like I said, I'm getting to a point where it's weird that if I'm watching an animated version and it's not Mark Hamill playing the Joker, it's weird. So Batman and Robin are watching for the Joker. There's only about five minutes left in this episode, so this particular episode and its vignettes are much more more like what we've come to expect from the filmation cartoons, which were like six or seven minute episodes. Three vignettes in 22 minutes pretty much gives you about seven minutes. Now you see all kinds of people dressed up as Joker masks. So. Batman and Robin trying to figure out what's going on here as all these victims are being overcome by Joker guests. Again, this story has very little to do with New Year's other than the fact that it happens in New Year's. Kind of like Ghostbusters 2. Not really a New Year's movie per se, but it involves the new year coming. <laughs> so somebody threw a Batman through a batarang and whacked the Joker in the back of the head. Obviously, you got to deal with the Joker in six minutes. It's not going to take much to uh, defeat him. And Batman and Robin handle the Joker's henchmen with the greatest of ease and they're wearing black leotards it looks like not very flattering they're they're dressed like stage crew that nobody's supposed to see for those of you who don't go to the theater much when you see set crew on at any kind of performance whether it's a play, musical they dress all in black so they can blend into the background and be unknown so Another good fight scene. Batman and Robin kick the hell out of these the henchmen, but Batman gets sucker punched from behind with by a bucket of champagne. <laughs> it's amazing, though, to see that Robin has, well, for the most part, beaten up this one guy. But then he grabs at the cape, and Robin is caught. The Joker makes a pun about champagne going to his head after he whacks Batman in the back of the head with it. Oh, here, we're getting the countdown. Uh, Joker's gonna pop the cork. And he hits himself in the eye. Typical Joker. And uh, Batman pours his champagne on the, electric- on the electricity and gets himself shot at. I'm not sure if the Joker hit him or not, but it all came awful close. So whatever happened, whatever ha- Batman did it, the cho- the Joker's leg didn't go off. And it is Hysterical! It's priceless to look on the Joker's face when he realized his plan didn't work. And I really liked how when the bell fell on Joker, it cracked. Kind of to be reminiscent of the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia. Which the Joker is about to run out of Liberty and be sent back to Arkham Asylum. So, three good vignettes here. And I really enjoy this ending here as Bruce as Batman and... Commissioner Gordon meet at a tavern to celebrate the new year and it's an annual thing. The bartender knows knows what's going on and the bar closes and that's when Batman shows up. So I really like the idea of Batman and Bruce Wayne. you keep calling him Bruce Wayne. I mean, it is Bruce Wayne, but it's really Batman. I really love the idea that they meet once a year at this tavern just for a cup of coffee. You know, they meet, they toast, and plan to do it every year. I really like that they have this. and Batman pays and leaves. You know, he still disappears on him. He has the coffee, and he disappears, and once in a while. I love the note about Christian Gordon wanting to beat Batman to the check one year. But like I said, I really love the fact they meet annually just to kind of celebrate the fact that they've survived another year in Gotham City. You know, three great vignettes. I really enjoyed talking about them, and I hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble about them. So, if you... Did or didn't enjoy this, And uh, if you or if you want me to do more commentaries or maybe I'll bring on some other folks to help me with these commentaries, why don't you send me an email, manofscreen at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation over in the Facebook group. Just put man of screen podcast in your search feed and the show should come up. You can also find the show on Twitter at man of screencast. And why don't you leave me a review on iTunes? That'll help other people find the show. So I don't know what the next man of screen extra will be. Stay tuned to both Twitter and the Facebook group. But until next time, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Yule, from me to you, whatever holiday you celebrate this season. I hope you have a good and safe one. Happy New Year, and I will talk to you next time. The Man of Screen Podcast is produced by Mike Timo. All opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zumo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and can be found at www.twotruefreaks.com. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at twotruefreaks.com to shop there. If you do, the Two True Freaks get a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra so you can shop as usual and help out the two true freaks at the same time email to this show can be sent to man of screen at gmail.com and you can also leave the show review on iTunes that will help others find the show thank you for listening to the man of screen podcast And on go, I'm going to turn on holiday nights. So three, two, one, and go. Why didn't it go?